This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be with you. And joining me today, live and, and I guess, sort of in studio, or at least in the same building as my closet studio, is the lovely, the talented, the lawfully uh, saddled with me for life, Lawrence Lerman. Say hello, Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, I, in the same building. Maybe you should point out that I'm in the sub-basement while you're up in the penthouse. Oh, that later on. Um, um, for those of you listening, we are, of course, on the same floor. Lawrence is comfortably ensconced in his home office, and I am in my closet as usual. And, of course, there's not room in here for two grown adults to sit and talk into the microphone at the same time, <laughs> which is why Lawrence is not joining me in the same room when we are actually doing this over Zoom. Um, you know, it sometimes yeah. reminds me of like those Three's Company episodes when they had sort of written out Suzanne Summers, but not really written her out yet. And so at the end of every episode, there'd be like five minutes when she and Janet would be talking on the phone. And that was how they they got her in you yeah, uh, have to incorporate her somehow yeah, right I, I, creative <laughs> but she wasn't actually in the same set or the same building with any of the other actors obviously. i love I, that, that that's a, a pleasure some of those older television shows when contractually they have to keep someone in the show for a while and they came up with all these nifty ways to incorporate them in just to fulfill the requirements of their contract or yes. whatever it was well, anyway, it reminds me of you and me. <laughs> we are we are fulfilling uh, the contractual wonderful. requirements of that. <laughs> I've always I've always considered our relationship as one of contractual uh, requirements and demands. Oh, baby, you're such a romantic. Yeah, uh, yeah, more power to me. Anyway, so so Lawrence and I are going to be talking a little bit about holiday festivities and cats and and all that kind of good stuff. But before we get to that, just a little bit of housekeeping business. Uh, first, I am so thrilled to say that I finally. Finally, uh, posted the the first excerpt of a new book in progress on my Patreon page. So for those of you who are part of my Patreon community, I encourage you to head on over and check it out and download your copy now. You'll be the, the first, uh, not even Lawrence has seen these pages, the, the excerpts, know. which, by the way, might account for why there are some slight typographical errors. They've not been proofread yet, proofread yet. Uh, but I was very anxious and, and thrilled to share them with you. So yeah, head on over if you haven't done so already. And if you are not yet a part of my Patreon community, but you would like to to become a part of it and get to be among the people who who get to read excerpts from my books while I'm writing them before they are seen by anybody else. Head on over to to patreon.com and that's P as in Peter, A-T as in Thomas, R-E-O-N dot com slash Gwen Cooper. Or better yet, you can head over to my website, which is, of course, GwenCooper.com, and you can find links to Patreon there 
as well as all kinds of other stuff and the contact form, which I encourage you to to utilize and reach out to me and leave comments uh, about the podcast and so on and so forth. And of course, as we head now, we are now officially in the holiday season, and that means it is the time of year for autographed books. I I think I'm pretty much out of hardcover first editions of Love Saves the Day, or at least I, I have maybe two or three left. Uh, but I still have a small handful of copies of Homer's Odyssey and My Life in a Cat House hardcover first editions. And I am offering those personally inscribed and autographed for $25, U.S. shipping included. And uh, this year we are donating proceeds to Cobble Small Animal Rescue, which I am thrilled to announce they have finally, finally gotten together the plan, the, the evacuation plan, the flight, the flight plans, the paperwork, everything that they need in order to evacuate all I believe it's 154 dogs and 167 cats. Um, excuse me. Let me clear my throat a little bit. <clears throat> From Afghanistan, finally, the, these these animals are, are going to be able to make the first step in their journey to a forever home. They will be flying into Canada. As some of you may know, there were some issues initially with the dogs coming into the United States because apparently Afghanistan is a high rabies zone. And even though obviously these are dogs who have been in the care of a a rescue facility and have been vaccinated and certainly been quarantined and observed for any possible, you know, possibility that they have rabies, uh, the, the Cobble Small Animal Rescue was just not able to get an exception carved out for these dogs to be able to be brought into the United States. And and that was the reason why they ended up being stuck in Afghanistan for so long, because Charlotte, who runs the rescue, um, refused to leave without her animals. And she stayed at tremendous, tremendous personal risk to her own life. And so it is just amazing that really a holiday miracle. That, that everybody is getting to come home and they'll be flying into Canada and they are still going to need lots of help from us, from all of us Homer's heroes. When they get to North America, obviously, they're going to need food and shelter and medical care and, and, and transportation and, and shelter here in North or, or in Canada, I should say. Um, so our help is still needed and our funds are still needed, but I, it, it's just so amazing that, that they have come this far. And, and that we were able to play along with so many others, just a small part in helping to make that happen. And, and Lawrence, you remember that was the big, uh, the big I'm, event I'm, of the end of the summer. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how much time has gone by. I mean, I know you, you give me the updates, but, um, I, I mean, with, with dedication and hard work and, and I guess patience and all and things are possible hanging in, hanging in, you can really make things happen. That's, uh, it's remarkable. It really took a lot of people, like you were saying. It must have taken a lot of people, a lot of phone calls, a lot of demands, a lot of um, you know, going sort of eye to eye with people and saying, this is what we have to make happen. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I know that the the staff on their end has has been just putting in really burning the midnight oil, getting the paperwork and 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 all of that the the red tape just just that part of it has been a tremendous job of work and that's before you even get into the physical logistics of transporting these animals who have required a great deal 
of care. And, you know, I, I, I know that, that the animals themselves are, are never going to know just how their story captured the hearts of all of us around the world. Um, I, you know, I'm a writer and I'm, I'm finding myself at a loss for words for just how miraculous it, it seems to me that, that they're making it out and uh, that they are going to make it out and, and that they are going to, to find new homes and, and live good lives. And yeah, good lives. And that, and yeah. that they'll understand the good lives part. I, 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 you know, of course they won't understand how it happened, but uh, just to, to have you know to, to have a pleasant life and to have to have someone care for them and, and be glad that they're with them is... and and what a privilege to get to be one of the people by the way who who gets to adopt one of these animals and it is always a privilege to to welcome an animal into your heart and into your home and to be a rescuer and to welcome a rescue animal um and the only reason why I feel it's a particular privilege in this case is because just what these the 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 truly the hell that these animals have escaped and and the sheer number of people the thousands of people all over the world who who pitched in who donated money who helped spread the word on social media who became really an army on behalf of them and if and if you are a person who brings one of these animals into your home you you get to to think about that all the time you 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 have just such a a, a tangible example of 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 goodness in the world and all that is best of, of in human nature in your home and and I, I always used to think that with with my cats and especially with Homer that that here was just this living example of the goodness that lives in so many people's hearts that so many different people were involved in rescuing Homer to bring him into my life and and that is even such a small thing as as compared to this and and it's. It's just an amazing thing, I think. They do. People do come together uh, when, 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 when the feeling is right, and when people know it's right. And of course, you played a small but vital role. We we sold many many books to help raise money to donate <laughs> to Cobble Animal Rescue, and and you I know did. you're you're dying to 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 talk about your your no, role. I don't, I don't have to talk <laughs> about my role, but but like it wasn't a small role. It was right. You talked about the physical act of doing all these things for the, the for the animals. I um with with pride and and pleasure packed packed most of the books and shipped them out to the various people that were kind enough to um to jump all over them and to donate and and to and you know, we we all put our part in but uh if you think schlepping you know to, Dozens of pounds of books to the post office is small. <laughs> then you should start schlepping. Can I use the word schlepping sh- one I more schlep. time? I schlep. Hey, I schlep. I help schlep books to the post office. I'm a schlepper. Yeah. Well, I'm looking across the room. And I'm looking at Clayton. It, it, it and sounds he's lying to- on his back. He didn't schlep at all. He, it's, uh, it seems to me, my friend, that you are trying to schlep naches, which is a Yiddish expression that means fishing for compliments. Schlep naches is what happens when I sneeze after some uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm reading actually a very, a very Jewy book right now. Um, as a Jew, can I say Jewy? It's a very Jewy book. It's called The Netanyahu's by an author named Joshua Cohen. And it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't even matter, but it's, uh, there, there are a lot of Israelis. Oh, the Netanyahu's. The Netanyahu's. It sounds like, it's like that, uh, what's, what's that hot show? The Goldbergs and then the Netanyahu's. The Netanyahu's. Well, it's, the it's actually, it's, uh, so, so it's, it's a work of fiction. But Benjamin, the you know Israeli prime, the former Israeli prime minister, who is himself a very controversial figure, Benjamin Netanyahu, his father, who is now deceased, 
Um, it, it, the book is set in the year 1960, and his father uh, makes a plays a small but pivotal role, I guess, in the plot of this book. Anyway, we're getting way off on a tangent, but um, but I will say, all kidding aside, you know, I once got a very irate email from somebody who had purchased a signed book from me, and she was very upset because it didn't arrive quickly enough. You know, we send them via USPS media mail, because that is the most cost effective way to send the books. But of course, it is also a, a relatively slow way of sending them. It can take up to two weeks yeah. for Particularly delivery. this time of the year, as you get closer to the holiday season. Right. And, and I should add, by the way, that if you are considering buying an autographed book for somebody as a holiday gift, we can, of course, discuss for an extra two or three dollars sending the book, you know, you uh, first class mail as opposed to media mail. Uh, but anyway, we, we generally send them when there's no rush, media mail. And somebody was very upset that it had taken about a week and a half for her to get her book. And, and she said, you know, Amazon has gotten us used to, to books being shipped immediately and, and arriving within the next day. And, and of course, uh, you know, we are a very homegrown operation here. It is me signing the books. And and creating a little stack uh, with with post its, you know, indicating to whom they are being shipped, and it then I a- carry them into Lawrence's home office, and he packs them up by hand, and we then schlep them one. to the post office. Well, that reminds me, you owe me a dollar twenty for that post it. Oh, by the way, that's right, a dollar twenty. That's right. But that's that's almost a slice of pizza right there. <laughs> I could be getting. You know, baby. Technically, I'm in, I'm legally entitled to fifty percent of that dollar twenty. So, really, what I owe you is sixty cents. Really, if I get the sixty cents from you, it'll be more more nachas if you want to keep going Yiddish. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is a homespun operation. It's great. It's, I, it's it's like a Lucy episode, a little assembly line. You give me the stacks of books, and I print out some labels, and then stack them up, and then we put them in a bag. Um, you know, yeah, little and little I and I remember I, I depleted just about my entire inventory that day when I offered uh, the the books uh, to raise funds. You, you know, we were donating 100 percent of the funds that were raised from the book sale, except what was needed for for postage and and packing materials to Cobble Small Animal Rescue, and we sold just. So many, it really almost exhausted my my supply of books, and this was back in August, so well ahead of the holiday season, and that was just a crazy day of of signing and packing and and organizing. But every book was delivered to the right. No, no books went missing. I didn't hear from anybody that they didn't get their book or that they had gotten the wrong book, and and so we we really have gotten it really down to a science. This this shipping out of of signed books. Uh, and and the people seem to like them, and the yield is good, and the, the various directions that the money goes in, uh, everyone's doing the right thing. It seems like yes, and and uh, all kidding aside about schlepping nachis, but uh, you, I, I could not do it without you, baby. I really could. It, it is my pleasure to pack up the books over and over again, uh, and to <laughs> and, and to ship them out. Well, I, and, I try to, to to make it up to you, and and, and I try to compensate you in other ways for, for all know, the hard I, work and, that you do. I bet you do. Oh yeah, you do. Okay, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> You were talking to me. I forgot about that. No, yes, but, uh, yes, it is, but tis the season. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll be there when you need to uh, do do another round, which I'm assuming is coming up soon. It, it It is the holiday season. You know, I always know as we're heading into we're finally heading into the holiday season. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're making our way out of autumn and into into winter 
I mean, I know officially it's not going to be winter for another couple of weeks, but it we feels did like get, it outside, though. It's we did. Cold. We got a little fluttering of snow today, and, and I yeah. know it's, it's. I know it's becoming the holiday season when it is time um, to turn on the heaters and and to take Fanny's little schmata out of storage. It's a lot of Yiddish today in today's yeah, episode, yeah. but we always got Fanny's her 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 little like blankie that she lies. We take out Fanny's blankie. Which and, you've had for a while, that blanket. Which, well, this blanket we've had, I mean, this was Vashti's blankie originally. And, oh, wow. Uh, I guess um, so. so we've we've had this. This was actually originally sent to us by a fan named Gabby Savara back in. Oh, God. In, the, yeah, definitely 2009. This was one of oh, the first <laughs> the first gifts from a reader that I ever got after Homer's Odyssey was published, and it was it blew me away that that people were sending presents to our cats, and she had handmade these these fleecy little blankies. Um, Homer Vashti loved hers, just loved hers, and and now Fanny loves it, but she loves to lie directly in front of the radiator. I mean, we live in a very old house, and so we have old fashioned radiators. Real big Fanny. clangy ones. They actually right, look big metal, yeah. like you think of the honeymooners or the old TV shows. Yeah. With, with, with people in tenements huddling in front of a radiator. That's what they look like. I mean, they warm up the room. We've never really had to oh, no, huddle good. in front of they them. Just, they look, they have that look. Though. But they, they do, like yes. Old timey. Um, no, for sure. Very old timey. And Fanny just loves to lie on her little schmata directly in front of the, the radiator until her belly gets so hot that you can barely even touch her. Yeah, she really digs that. Well, it's like in the summer months when she likes to hang out on the on the sun on the sun terrace on on her little <laughs> elevated platform in pure sunlight. I think she, until she starts to now, really Fanny. Fanny really like Fanny likes the heat. Fanny really yeah. is a, a heat loving cat for sure. Have <laughs> we reached a conversation? I, about I we have nothing to, to add. I, and thank you and good night. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to go out with Fanny. Well, meanwhile, the other one, um, he just looks like for maximum comfort. I don't think that the weather has any real has bearing nothing on, to like, do with it. Clayton will will drape himself across my lap if it's ninety nine degrees in the room or if it's nine below zero. It really has nothing to do with. Uh, he really seems impervious to to changes in the temperature, Clayton. He just wants to lie on top of me all the time that yeah, is yeah, that is what said, clayton wants <laughs> well tell him to get online clayton and uh, and he's uh but he he uh, uh, those nights that you go to sleep before me he is definitely i he sacrifices the the soft warmth of you and decides he'll give me a chance and he lies right next to me and burrows his head in between my leg and the couch just for maximum ostrich-like behavior and comfort well just for closeness i think clayton likes closeness but you know it's funny he he really he's not nearly as interested in me when you're not around clayton really really has a jealousy thing going on with you where when i'm not around the two of you are best buds and if you're not around he will kind of sleep wherever but when you are in my vicinity he has to sort of lay claim he he just has to get between us he has to get into my lap he really has to has to i mean we've discussed this before yeah, and i've, I've me, written yeah. about it but uh he um he has to make his presence known he has to stake his um, claim unless it's thanksgiving weekend which we just came out of and he knows that i'm sort of like the lord of the turkey yes. which he's uh he's not doing badly by at all this past weekend. Yeah, you know, Clayton may love Turkey more than he loves either one of us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really nice fresh turkey. It was so moist that he was so like 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 uh 
like Homer. I mean, Homer used to, whenever I used to go to the refrigerator, when we had cold cut turkey, he, he knew the sound of the, uh, of the wrapper being opened and Clayton knows the, the, the foil that's wrapped around the Turkey. He is ready. Oh, Homer was such a carnivore. I mean, it was, it's still astonishing to me how much food Homer was able to put away because I really am not kidding that Homer was able to put away about half his body weight in food every day. And I'm just trying to imagine what, what, what my life would be, what I would look like if I were eating somewhere in the vicinity of like 65 pounds of food every day, because he oh, really did eat about half his body weight every day. How is that possible? But how, <laughs> how is that possible? Yeah. Well, he, he showed us, didn't he? But it was yes. great. Those, those, those are days. Well, Clayton, Clayton is showing us too, although, yeah, it, it looks like he's eating half his body weight on the food based on what Clayton Well, is. I mean, that that's, of course, the irony. That That's where it really does come down to genetics because, of, of course, you know, the, the I, I guess the irony of the whole thing is Homer really did eat so much. He was such, even before, you know, I think towards the end of his life, some of that had to do with his liver issues and, and his body, I think, just to keep him going was burning a tremendous amount of calories. And so he was eating all the time. But even before that, he was a voracious eater, but such a skinny little guy. He, he really Snake was. Hips. I mean, just yeah. that, yeah, that, that classic, I, you know, I, George, my boyfriend in Miami, when I adopted Scarlett and Vashti was one of these guys, he was six foot two and 140 pounds. So this a skinny guy who just ate, I, I can't even tell you how much he ate. And, and Homer was like that. Homer's just one of those people who could eat or, or cats who could eat and eat and eat mm-hmm. and not gain any weight. And then, um, and then, yeah, Clayton does not eat nearly as much as Homer did, but <laughs> Is significantly chubbier than, oh my than God. Homer yeah, he, ever was. He, he's a husky, a husky guy. But that makes when when he's when he likes when he's demanding to be petted and and and, and stroked, he he feels there's there's bulk there. There's something to hold on to. Yeah, I I don't get why he's he's such a chubster. I really don't. <laughs> chubster. He is. That's all right. As long as, as long as he's happy and he's not out of control. No, no, no. Just... He is happy and he's. I can't look. He doesn't care that that he's chubby. He loves being chubby. And I, I mean, I do love when he lies on my lap and he flips onto his back, which he instantly does, and he just has such a squeezable, mushy little belly. Um, <laughs> I really do just love squeezing his little belly. And, squeezable. Uh, it's, it's it squeezable. is, and but he is just. Such, it's so great because Clayton is that rare cat who loves having his tummy rubbed and i love rubbing his tummy so it really does work out and and the more tummy there is the more there is for me to just squeeze onto and um so i am i am certainly not complaining about that and and the vet says he's you know his blood work looks good and uh and yeah he's he's just a chubby guy what are you gonna do <laughs> Um, I've I've heard some other things said about me. It's been times in my life. <laughs> Dude, He's I'm... a chubby guy. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I think that's mostly you saying that about you. Oh well, that, that's charming. Either I, way, I don't want to. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to get it. They all it. seem to enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend. All, all all members of the household, feline or otherwise. Well, it's always you know I, I, I and I know you did too. I worked in in retail uh, many a long year ago, but but for a while, and and I know you did the same. And and Thanksgiving, so that I, this weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving, was just always bananas. If if you work in retail. And even though it, it has been a, a very long time, I really more than 25 years now, I guess, since I, I last had a, a retail job, I still appreciate just being able to chill 
on Thanksgiving weekend and just kind of lays around in pajamas and pick it leftovers. And I know a lot of people do, obviously, a lot of people do the the Black Friday shopping bonanza. Um, but I've just always preferred to to kind of chill out and, and start watching like Christmas movies and things like that. And and it's nice. It can be very pleasant. I um, I think we we did a good job digging in deep this weekend. We didn't. Uh, we were not outside of Thanksgiving, and I guess the next day, um, doing some family things. We were uh, pretty pretty relaxed on Saturday and Sunday. There was no physical shopping going on. Um, well, there was we, a lot of good leftover action. That's good. Well, because we we once again had a a the the quiet just the two of us at home Thanksgiving like the the pandemic Thanksgiving. Although it was less for pandemic reasons, I think this year and more just because everyone sort of scattered. This yeah, year. yeah, not a big family as it is, but everyone sort of went their own direction to take care of other things and uh, or to, to to follow through on on plans that had never happened in the earlier years. Yeah, uh, a year or two. So, but it was quiet, but it was great. Um, and I think we really do have it down very precisely now. Like how much time has to be put in to yield a complete Thanksgiving meal with all the sides and the turkey. And we got it down, something that I really never did prior to this last several years. Well, I never realized the, the truth is, and and I guess everything there, there's always gradients of, of of how what the difficulty level is. And I, of course, just go for the simplest and and most obvious ways of making those those classic Thanksgiving sides, like the green bean casserole and and the sweet potato casserole. Which really, when you realize they're just you, you, I mean, basically, you just get all your stuff together, glop it together in the casserole dish and stick it in the oven. It takes maybe 10 minutes to, to prepare the casserole to go into the oven. If, if you want to go that route, I know some people do very gourmet, very fancy kinds of, of Thanksgiving dishes and preparations. Um, I, I've never, I, I've never been. Into that, I, I feel like Thanksgiving. Not for really Thanksgiving. Is, I'm with Thanksgiving you. Not is, for Thanksgiving is a time for just like like like, like warm kind of bulk food. comfort food. Comfort food, exactly. I'm not looking for a wild rice stuffing. You know, I, I'm I'm really looking for just like breadcrumbs with butter and seasoning and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, no, just I'm with you. easy. Food of food of the earth and the farm and uh, food of the, the of no, the people the, food of the, of the food people of the, the, of the masses the people's <laughs> exactly but simple food. simple comfort I think actually comfort food probably describes it best but of course Clayton uh, Clayton took up his his position on the table I you know I don't even know we it's so embarrassing I don't even know how now that the pandemic we really went all of us kind of a feral I, I think during the during the height of the pandemic and and we've come back from it in some ways like we started regularly bathing again and and cutting our hair and grooming and so on and so forth we we are yeah, perfect- remember, remember all those months we didn't bathe those I, great, great but, days you know we we are perfectly acceptable now when we leave the house but i don't know how we could ever have anyone come and eat at our house again because clayton is just completely comfortable now to just lie on the table or walk all over the the, the dining room table while we're sitting there eating, while we're and, there, that is out of control. That has to be stopped. And I or, feel or, like arrested a little. I don't okay. know how we how are we going to do that. Like he just is so like he just assumes now that that's his place when we are eating. He's like, "What's up?" And he sprawls across the table or puts his little paws like as you know. I put a picture on Facebook. He's like like trying to put his paws in the turkey and um 
And and I, I think maybe it's too far gone. I don't know how we're I, correct I this do at this not. point. And we will experiment with this as, as we start eating at the table more. Or <laughs> just, I think you just gently push him off the table or don't even let it happen to begin with. He'll be fine. I mean, yes, but yes, of course. But the the ease and the the immediacy and comfort with which he gets onto the table, I think, is just going to indicate to any guests who might come over that obviously this is something we let him do yeah, yeah. when there's no company, you know. And that's yeah. the part that that it we it's sort of embarrassing to me. Like, yeah, we don't care. We just yeah. uh, the- <laughs> well, then we have to like we have to put on a, like, how dare you get on the table with our guests here, you know. <laughs> I am shocked, shocked. Shocked that this would happen. I I don't know that anybody's going to buy that. I I definitely know that anybody's going to buy that. Well, then we'll continue not inviting people over. That wasn't (laughs) bad either. I guess guess that is the obvious solution to the problem. Or we just invite cat people. Like, this is what's great about having Melanie and Sarah come to visit from Tennessee is that – you know, they, I mean, they have so many cats. They have like eight or nine cats, you know, plus their dogs and their cows and their horses and chickens and our, our friends, Melanie and Sarah, uh, about whom you guys have probably heard us talk. And, and they live on a farm in Tennessee with many, many critters. And they, so they obviously are, are just much more casual about perhaps seeing like a tuft of, of cat fur lying on the floor someplace or a cat who likes to jump on the table during mealtimes. They are just much more forgiving about that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Much more chill. Well, they are they are all the way down there in Tennessee, though. So I don't know that they're <laughs> going to be popping in for any of our comfort food. Well, um, but they, they were here for my 50th birthday. And, they were. And it was delightful to have them join us. And they love seeing Clayton. And they're the ones that very quickly point out, yeah, Clayton has put on a little weight. <laughs> well, they, they, they don't see him, obviously, as often as we do. I mean, they, they see him maybe once a year. And and I guess with uh, with COVID, it's probably been a couple of years since they had last seen him. And uh, yeah, he does. He he, But he's not eating any more food than he usually. I guess it's it's just age. You know, the... They, Clayton and Fanny, are going to be 10 in February. That's unbelievable. That which is, is time flying. That's unbelievable really to me. I still think of them as the kittens. They, they are still, they are still the new generation of cats. They really, you know, Homer and Vashti and Scarlet were, were the, the famous original cats, the, the OGs, the, the, the first generation. <laughs> and, and Clayton and Fanny are like the new guys. They're, they're still like the new guys. Too. Yeah. They are still the new guys. Yeah. Hey, I still think of Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA" as the new Bruce album. So okay, I guess well, that- it's all about where you are at this, <laughs> what, where you are in your life that you think about these things. That uh, yeah, I was like thirteen or twelve when that album came well, out, the, and, and you were the new teenager in your life. So, <laughs> so that that's where really where the age difference between us really really shows. What was well, it was like thir- with? <laughs> Go ahead. I was I'm thirteen sorry. and a half. All right, it was a whole different time. Ah. Um, Thirteen and a half plus like twenty, maybe. I was a Jersey boy. Jersey boys looked at the yeah. We, we had Bruce was ours for all those years, and then the world embraced him with the new album, and that's that's I think where it, that sort of took root. Is that true? Was he not? I, you know, again, he when, wasn't when, worldwide. It was it was it was born in the USA that burst them into the world. Oh, that's that interesting. A worldwide sensation, and he toured it for two years. But prior to that, he had his hits. But he was, you know, he was always Jersey's own. And then uh, and he was more national. I mean, yes, he had radio play, but this one was the thing that made him a worldwide superstar. Um, That's interesting. I I really don't remember a time 
where I didn't know who Bruce Springsteen was. I mean, I really have to reach back in my memory to elementary school for a time where I, I wasn't aware of Bruce Springsteen or listening to Bruce Springsteen. You know, by the time Born in the USA came out, I really, I was very young. It was when I just started, I was at that age where you just start listening to the radio independently of your parents, let's uh-huh. say. Like around, you know, fourth or fifth grade, at least back in my day. And I don't know what it's like for the kids now with the internet and and whatnot. But back in my day, um, it, it was really somewhere around like fourth or fifth grade, you know, you or you listen to what your parents listen to, or maybe what your friends who had older siblings, what the older siblings were listening to. And and when you started listening independently and developing your own taste was was really late elementary school, middle school, or thereabouts. And at that point, you sort of already knew who Bruce Springsteen was, he was already well known. By the time mm. I, I, I came well, around. Well, yeah, no, he his first album was, I think, 72, 73, and Born in the USA was more than 10 years later. So he really was, I don't want to say he was, he, well, he started off as a regional, but then it moved up and up and up. Now he is a man of 72 years of age. He certainly has, you know. It's hardly his 72. That is crazy. Yeah. And he's buddies with our former president. They do a podcast or they did a podcast together and they wrote and they co-wrote a book together. Um, do you think their is podcast is better than our podcast? Could that I be possible? They, well, they, they don't talk about schlepping stuff and their cats. So <laughs> I was, well, I, I was going to say, are there any cats in that podcast? Because if there aren't, then I, I really have to believe that this podcast is better. Apparently they are. Uh, they, they, yeah, right. Apparently they are friendly. They, they. I don't know. They double date. I'm told that uh, that Bruce never picks up the check. I, I, you know, I, very cute. Like? It's a but very, they, a very I old. They are very friendly. They've known each other for quite a while. So, um, but uh, and he had the, this year his daughter Bruce's daughter who's not a little girl. She's about thirty. Um, she was in the Olympics. You know, she was an equestrian. Um, oh wow. So, He's, not uh, not not very working man, is it though? The the professional, uh, well, the, the the well, he famously talks about that that he has never had a nine to five job in his life yet. He sings about like the, the the toils of people that work nine to five. He's admitted that, like I, you know, he's never worked in a factory. He's right, never but but equestrianism a... is definitely a, a wealthier sort of oh a god, sport, yeah. let's oh, say. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's why that's why I gave up yacht racing. I felt that people would think yes. I was one of the people if I just kept on doing so. You know, I, I really, when I had to give up my equestrian pursuits for now, I'm, I, and I'm kidding. We actually, when I was growing up, and I, and I always talk about this, um, because it was really from my father that where I, I learned to, I learned about the importance of animal rescue. And this was at a time when I was growing up, again, where rescue is not as much a part of the popular ethos, let's say, or popular consciousness, I think, as it is today. And all the people we knew, other than us in our neighborhood, they had these expensive pedigreed dogs that they had gotten from breeders. And our dogs were rescue dogs. And a lot of that really started with my dad. Um, He liked to hang out at the stables where Miami's Mounted Police stapled their horses. He, you know, he was an animal lover. It wasn't just dogs with my father. And he just loved, he loved hanging out with the horses. And that was how he met these animal loving police officers who very often were the ones who, who rescued dogs from, you know, who were being used as bait and dog fighting rings. And 
Hi, sorry about that. So we uh, we were in the middle of talking about my dad and how he liked to hang out at the the stables where the city of Miami police, uh, mounted police, stabled their horses. And my computer crashed, which brought our our conversation to a, a sort of abrupt halt. Uh, very abrupt. And normally I would edit around this so that it would be seamless for listeners. I would probably go back to where I first started talking about my dad and and just cut that out and get on to another subject and and just make it um like i said like a seamless a seamless sort of experience for the listeners and the only reason i'm not doing so is because i i do want to come back to this topic i think it's an important one because i i do really believe that while my love of animals is innate i don't think that I would be the animal lover that I am or, or value the importance of rescue as much as I do, if not for my father. And I, you know, it's something I, I don't discuss a lot with with listeners uh, because, of course, we, we have no children ourselves, but many of the people listening to this do. And I really do. I, I don't think I probably have to tell most of them. Uh, but I think it is worth reiterating just how important it is to impress upon children, not just our own children, but to be part of a community that impresses upon children the importance of kindness to animals. I think so many other things, so many other good mm. values follow from that. Uh, it, it really is something I will always be grateful to my dad for for instilling in me, I think. You're here. Yes, and um, uh, I realize my, there, there's there's nothing I want to say to can't to undercut that, but uh, <laughs> you speak the truth. You know, when I was um, doing the 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 tour for Love Saves the Day back in 2013, and and I elected to do a national tour of shelters instead of bookstores, uh, which my publisher was not 100 percent on board with. But I thought it was important. And I not only visited shelters, but I really sought out shelters who had innovative programs within their human communities as an extension of the work that they did in animal rescue. Because I very firmly believe that when you help animals, you are also helping people. And there were numerous shelters who who I visited who had these great programs in their local schools, elementary schools, either where students came into the shelter and interacted with the animals or where the animals got to visit the elementary schools and interact with the children there. But everything from anti-bullying programs to programs that help students who, who were, you know, slow readers or, or had difficulty reading and, and allowing them to come into shelters and read to, to puppies and kittens as kind mm. of a non-judgmental audience. And, and this was beneficial to help socialize the animals and, and also give the kids a sense of confidence. But there were so many different programs really involving children and animals. And, and I know that many of the people who listen to this, um, work in rescue. And I, I just think that that's such worthwhile and, and fertile ground, the introduction of children to animals, not just your own children necessarily, but to make that a part uh, of the community work that you do as a volunteer with a shelter, I think. It's been quite a while since uh, you spoke at a shelter. Uh, I mean, yeah. Qu quite a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, since since before the pandemic, you know, I, I obviously... Oh, long before the pandemic. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you spoke in shortly. Well, I mean, but at a shelter, it's, you know, I just have such a fond memory of, of that year and change, maybe a couple of years of just going to so many different shelters around the country. I yeah, don't know I when, think... 
Probably the last time was 2018, actually, was probably, I, I don't think I did. No, I'm sorry. No, that's not true. 2019. Some of them you weren't. I, I went um, to Chicago and I actually spoke at Reddit, did two readings in Chicago at different shelters in 2019. Um, and I think, I, you know, I was, I was in the midst of planning a couple for early 2020 and then of course um, and then everything changed yes yeah so that was the last time that was the last time actually it was probably in a shelter was 2019 and oh I, I i miss it i really miss i really miss going to shelters i have to say it's the thing i love most about doing what i do hmm. well let's get out of this tricky time and let's do it again Right. We should start. I, I think that's actually a good idea. You know, I will throw this out to to readers, especially if you are within, let's say, a reasonable driving distance. If you are somewhere in the Northeast, if you are in New York, Pennsylvania, um, Connecticut, Connecticut, I, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, the what? Philly area, you know, Pennsylvania, like you said, Rhode Island, even can, Rhode Island, you know, or Delaware, even Delaware, New Hampshire. Uh, maybe out of New Hampshire is a little bit a little, further, a little but, far away. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you know, you can even broaden it, but just something to, to put on the calendar for 2022 would be yeah. just to look forward to something like that would be nice. Yeah, um, um, absolutely. You know, and something within a reasonable driving distance, not only because it makes the travel easier, but also because if God forbid there is some other surge or, or something happens where once it again becomes inadvisable to have a lot of people in a small room, then you're not talking about having to can reschedule flights and and uh, hotels and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I will say if if you are a, listening to this and you volunteer, you work with an organization um, that is within the area of, of one of these states that we just named, and and I would even go so far as to say like maybe all the way down to DC, uh, where my sister is, and who would be fun to visit. Um, and yeah, and and if you would like to, uh, you know, I love to to visit shelters and do readings and sign books, and I always donate uh, the proceeds from the sales to of the books that I sell on site to the shelter that I'm visiting. I don't know that it necessarily raises thousands of dollars, but it's always a fun event for volunteers and and staff. And um, yeah, it, you know, please feel free to uh, to reach out. It's something I would love to to start doing again as we uh now that we've gotten our booster shots and yeah we and are we boosters can, we, we are, are we are boosted we are boosted and we can start to uh, to put all this behind us it's it's uh coming up on two years now yeah it's quite ridiculous isn't it <laughs> For, i don't know about ridiculous it. i you know i always see i i i knew from the beginning i and only because i think the spanish flu was also it was two years i mean two years just sort of seems like it was about right. I remember saying to you early on that it was going to be two years until life was more or less back to normal. And I don't know that we're quite there yet, but hopefully we will be, we um, will be. sometime around March, let's say of 2022. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, really just like the Spanish flu, I think it took about two years for it to like zip wind its way around the world a couple of times, you know, make everybody sick. And then, we the world got to move on and unfortunately we have vaccines and so not everybody is to get sick but i think it's i think that's maybe the cycle you know that it just takes a while for it to make its way around and burn itself out and and mm. then hopefully we get to carry on again carry on yeah um just it, it is quite exhausting though isn't it and just, you sound tired all of a sudden <laughs> i just i mean you think about that you know i mean it's physically exhausting and just the concern that you work up for yourself yeah. and your and your family and friends is is uh and now it's you know tough. It, it really like canals it puts puts a lot of your energy into a canal of uh 
of you know, just hope and 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 strong thoughts for others that you had not allotted prior to this health scare. No, it definitely channels your your mental and emotional energies into a different direction for sure. All right. Well, that's what I said, but you said it better. Fine. Yeah. Happy. For my listeners who don't speak Lawrence, who are not fluent mm. in Lawrence, I was just trying to, to translate. It's stay on the Lawrence <laughs> leg. Do they understand what that means? <laughs> well, I think probably a fair number of them speak pig Latin. But yes. Yeah, so if, if you are with a shelter uh, or a rescue organization and you would like to speak with me about possibly doing an event, let's say in the spring of 2022, head on over to my website, GwenCooper.com and hit use that contact form, contact me and, and let's talk about it. It's definitely a conversation I would love to have. And I think on that note, I, you know, we, we may not be fully recovering energy wise from, from the, um, from the trauma of of having my computer <laughs> shut down in the middle of a conversation, there was high trauma. There was it was trauma for a minute. Uh, it, it can you tell me? I'm, I'm shaking like a leaf. Can you tell? I'm I'm, I'm a wreck. <laughs> well, I I don't know if we if we have regained our conversational footing, and and I you know I don't want to put our listeners through the ordeal of of hearing you and me try to stumble stumble um, around trying to to sound articulate again. <laughs> it's too bad. This is the goodbye podcast too. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> This is not the Goodbye Podcast. There will be an thank. Thank you for canceling me. Except in for Gwen Cooper's podcast finale. <laughs> well, thank you. Actually, you know, you you are the reason that I started this podcast. By the way, I don't oh, know if I have right. ever pointed that out to listeners, but Lawrence um, basically hectored oh, me for the the better part of. Quarantine. Oh, I was so excited to hear it happen too. Yeah, I did. I did hector you, and and it was God. It was well worth it. It was truly was. I, I think you were I just tired of having me talk to you. <laughs> I, well, no, after- I mean, that, that, but other people like enjoy your, your dulcet tones. Oh, um, man. Wow. Man. Wow. No, you- it's the greatest thing. This is the, the best thing. <laughs> the, certainly one of the better things to come out of 2021. I mean, getting healthier this last half of the year. Yes. For but sure. uh, you launching the podcast, which was launched when? Like last February, March? Was that it? Yeah, March. 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 I mean, so we're coming up on, on one year, which is yeah. hard to believe. Uh, really, it's uh, it, it was so, so good. It was yeah. such, a, such a grand idea. I know yeah. that it was it was you had planned on on launching it literally a year before, but it really wasn't the time. As things no. were getting no, um, no, that is for sure true. Uh, that is definitely twenty twenty was was a tough year. You know, there's the pandemic, and then my mysterious bout, uh, you know, six month bout of of hives right, and. Right. Uh, and all of that, and and so 2021 it was definitely yeah, it was a good Looking year up. to to start the the podcast. And this, I believe, is my 31st podcast. So oh moving, yeah, moving right we're, along, yeah, we're coming okay. up on on the one year. And um, well, I, I I thank you, Lawrence, for for having been here with me from the beginning and being as you are in so many things. My inspiration oh, listen for to you. doing well, this, baby, I would have it no other way. Um, Aww. Aww. of course I'm here. And so is, I think Fanny right behind me. She's here too. <laughs> Fanny well, is, is no doubt, uh, sickened by, <laughs> by, yeah, by, the, by, by the, <laughs> the saccharine talk. Exactly. Like the, the saccharine tone that the podcast mm-hmm. has suddenly taken. So on, on that note, I think, uh, I'm probably going to, to, to start uh, what we in the business call the outro. So thank you, Lawrence. I, I wouldn't say it because I'm not in the business, but I will acknowledge <laughs> that you're saying it. 
Well, thank you, Lawrence, uh, for for joining me on today's episode. And thank you to everyone for listening. And once again, I encourage you to visit GwenCooper.com. Use the contact form there and reach out and let me know what you think about the podcast. Ask any questions you may like to hear me answer. And as always, thanks so much for joining us. And I look forward to seeing all of you next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.